So I think that if you are going to go and work in a, in a very different culture, in a very different environment, you need to learn how to be a learner, how to be an observer, how to be humble. Very important. This is One Future, presented by the Center for Global Child Health Research. It's a success story, perhaps the best known in global health, the worldwide reduction in the deaths of children under five. The way the story is often told begins in 1990. This is when the progress began to accelerate to a never before dreamt of pace. Since 1990, the death rate of children has decreased by 59%. That's a decrease from 93 deaths per 1,000 live births in 1990 to 38 in 2019. These are numbers to celebrate, yet the pace of progress is slowing. We are approaching a plateau. Despite the successes of the past 30 years, in 2019 alone, roughly 14,000 children under five died every day. There remains a lot of work to do. What will this work look like? The first task is identifying the work already done. When I was interviewing for my fellowship uh, years ago in pediatric infectious diseases, um, somebody asked me at one program, you know, if there was one thing that you could do to impact childhood health, what would it be? Dr. Christina Lancioni, member of the Center for Global Child Health Research. And I said, well, that's easy. Like, nutrition and clean water. And they were really surprised that that's what I said. And I said, well, under nutrition and, you know, diarrheal-based diseases from dirty water, the number one thing that kills children. You know, it doesn't always have to be something fancy. Um, it can be something very, very simple that people are needing. Water, sanitation, vaccines. In the 21st century, Investments in these interventions have driven the increase in child survival rates. Between 1990 and 2015, almost 2 billion people gained access to improved water and sanitation. Though this left between 1 and 2.5 billion people on the outside looking in at these investments, mostly in Sub-Saharan Africa. When I um came to medical school. I had traveled a lot, had the privilege of traveling a lot as a child with my family, but never to Sub-Saharan Africa and to, to the environments where I envisioned myself working. So um, I took a, a, a research year, so I did five years of medical school instead of four years of medical school, um, and used that research year to, to do research and healthcare in very different environments. Dr. Lancioni started on a Navajo reservation in New Mexico which was where she learned to adapt within the specific customs of Native American culture. The reservation also represented an initiation of sorts into some of the everyday facts of life universal to those among us who live in extreme poverty. 
what I decided to do as a medical student is, is prepare these research projects, one based in the Navajo Nation, and then one based in, in Ghana, which is a country in West Africa. And I chose Ghana because there was a, a Ghanaian physician at um, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia that I had worked with as a medical student. And um, he was uh, willing to sort of sponsor me and to help me make some connections with um, some Ghanaian infectious disease doctors. So uh, working with him and uh, one of the infectious disease uh, doctors there, I developed a research project that was focusing on acceptance of HIV testing during pregnancy um, for, um, for Ghanaian women. This was 1999. At that time, not even the United States was universally testing pregnant women for HIV. The ability to treat women with antiretrovirals during pregnancy was fairly new, so Dr. Lancioni embarked on a project to identify the barriers to HIV testing. This project placed her at the forefront of the diagnostic efforts that would contribute to the success in child survival rates still to come. While completing her fellowship training in pediatric infectious diseases, Dr. Lancioni established collaborations with physician scientists based in Kampala, Uganda. Dr. Lancioni has since gone on to study interactions between TB and the immune system, the burden of TB in children, and the impact of undernutrition on childhood survival. Dr. Lancioni also serves as a co-principal investigator for the Uganda site of the Childhood Acute Illness and Nutrition Network, or CHAIN. The sum of her multidisciplined work shows the burden of illness is often inextricable from the burdens of poverty. I will tell you a story, a little bit about social determinants of health. So um, in one of my trips to Uganda, I was uh, working clinically with, uh, with, with my research team. And so we, had, we were spending the day in the, in the hospital rounding on our patients who were in our research study. And so we were in the emergency room and we were on different wards and we were sort of going all over the place. And something struck me and it, it, it despite my prior experience in, in Uganda and other Sub-Saharan African countries, I'd never noticed this before and I don't know why. What I noticed was there were a lot of crying, upset children, as you would expect. This is what children do when they're in the hospital. And there were a lot of mothers who were not soothing them. And what I was observing time and time again was very, very upset children and very disconnected mothers or care providers. There was no soothing. And at the end of the day, uh, we went back to our clinic and I was talking to uh, one of the, the, the women uh, doctors on our research team who also happens to be a mother of six. Uh, and I, 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 I said this to her, I said, this was, I don't know why, but I've never noticed this before, but I noticed it today. They're, they're not shushing their babies. And she looked at me and she kind of laughed and, and she said, Christina, they can't give them what they don't have. They're exhausted. And I thought to myself, like, I was appalled at myself, right? Because I was kind of judging these women, you know, why weren't they soothing their babies? And then I realized how much it took those women to get those children to that hospital what they had gone through just to get them to that moment, how the vast majority of those mothers had multiple other children who were at home not getting tended to, that the amount of stress that these women were under was just appalling. 
And, you know, that really has stuck with me. Um, and one of the things we're realizing in our research as, as we're trying to understand what is it that allows a child to do well, to have a good outcome following an illness versus children who don't, and we're studying all sorts of biological pathways and this, that, and the other thing, a lot of it comes down to the mom. And how well is their mother being supported? Something unexpected happens when you widen the lens of progress on child mortality. When you look beyond the past 30 years to the last 100. When you start the story, not in 1990, but in 1920. 1920, 142 of a thousand children under five died in the United Kingdom. In 2020, the number was four. 1920, 166 of a thousand children under five died in Japan. In 2020, two. 1920, 183 of a thousand children under five died in the United States. In 2020, the number was seven. As we reel back the timeline of this progress, exactly a century ago, we can see the progress began with us. In large part, your country got here the same way. And as the timeline reels forward into the future, this sense of shared success will become more important as the nature of the work changes. Clean water, sanitation, vaccines, but also rights. The advancement of women's rights, the education of young girls, access, to family planning. As for the path ahead, it's getting steeper. Clean water, sanitation, and vaccines, they benefit populations systemically, exponentially. For many of these populations, we're entering a more individuated level of need. In some communities, rights will need to be established. In others, rights will need to be converted into opportunities, capabilities. The eradication of disease will continue to clear this pathway. Also, data. Data to drive policy towards solutions and steer money toward investments in innovations. We actually did mental health assessments on the mothers, um, both during the hospitalization um, and then if the child survived a couple months later during the discharge period. And we found that the, one of the most predictive things for childhood death following hospitalization was the mother's score and the mental health assessment. It wasn't whether she was working, it wasn't income, it wasn't food availability, it was maternal mental health. And when you think about that, when I think about that as a, as a mother, of course, of course that's what it is. You have to support the mother if you're gonna have healthy children. And I think that is absolutely universal. Um, and we see you know, clinical failures here in the United States, not because we don't know what medicine to give or what tests to run or what to do, but because we, we fail in supporting the family to actually access and deliver that care. And so that's, that has been a, a commonality that I've seen universally, is you, you cannot separate baby's well-being from mother's well-being. If past success is told through numbers, the number to focus on as we look ahead is one. 
because one is the number that turns all these others into an image we can hold in our minds. To turn the abstract into the concrete. To turn the victim into a survivor. And then a person with agency and a future. The image that breaks all these numbers down, makes sense of them, our one may very well be a mother with the capability to be a mom. And the work left for us to do may very well begin with her. This is One Future from the Center for Global Child Health Research, housed within the Pape Family Pediatric Research Institute at Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon. I'm Claire Johnson. This series is produced by Zoe Fanning and Andrew Stout. Editorial staff is Carl Caputo and Connor Chapman. Lynn Swarbrick is executive producer. And the center is directed by David Lewinson and Deborah Lewinson.